love you, Lord. For your mercy never fails me, and all my days I've been held in your hand. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. And all my life you have been faithful. And all my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, oh, I will sing the goodness of God. I love your voice. You have led me through the fire in darkest night. You are close like no other. I've known you as a father. I've known you as a friend. And I have lived in the goodness of God. All my life you have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. Every breath that I Heavenly Father, with all our breath, Lord, with all of our heart, with all of our strength, we want to confess our love to you this evening, O oh Lord. You have truly been faithful. We do not count ourselves worthy if we look at our own mistakes, our own humanity. We would question why you would love us. But Lord, we're so glad that you do love us. We're so glad that you sent your word by our way. Father, we're so thankful for this message. Lord, we're thankful for the light that we walk in. So great is the light that you have given us, Lord, that surrounds us, that drives away the darkness, that causes the enemy to flee. And Lord, we just thank you for your faithfulness. We pray, Lord, as we... Uh, Look into your word tonight. We pray, Father, you'll just have the preeminence. May you just be with us now. Anoint the speaker and the hearer. May you see every need that's in every heart. For you are the word that discerns the secrets of the heart, Lord. And as you go forth amongst your people, may you meet 
the needs. May you answer the questions. May you lift the burdens. May you break chains, Lord. May you do the supernatural in the midst of your people. Once again, we pray. We commit this service now to you in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you, musicians. While you're standing, why don't you take your Bibles with... Uh, Take your Bibles and turn to the book of Numbers, chapter 4. I was going to start somewhere else, and then as I was just meditating in the back, I kind of felt the emphasis go in a different direction. And so Numbers, chapter 4, is where we'll read from. Um, good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Good to be back in Edmonton. Always good to be in Edmonton. We used to be here more often than we are recently, but... Uh, certainly glad to be here. It's still nervous to come and preach here. Uh, it doesn't matter whether Brother Ed, you're here, or Brother Harold's here, or whoever's here. You know, we just appreciate what God does in this place, and appreciate each one of your lives. Appreciate what God does in each one of you individual. God bless you, Sister Leanne. Good to see you, and uh, amen. Are you looking forward to the Word tonight? It's a Wednesday night, so I don't want to keep you too long. So let's just read from Numbers chapter 4 and verse 5. And when the camp setteth forward, Aaron shall come and his sons, and they shall take down the covering veil and cover the ark of the testimony with it, and shall put thereon the covering of badger skins, and shall spread over it a cloth holy of blue, and shall put in the staves thereof. Amen. The Lord had his blessing to the word. You may have your seats. We certainly realize that the Old Testament is given to us in shadows and types, and their lives were a living prophecy towards us. And as we saw, uh, as we see them in days of old, in the Old Testament, expressed the word that was revealed to them, it perhaps means something different to us in this hour, because we're walking in the hour of the fullness of the word. Can you say amen to that? We're walking in a light that has never shone so bright as this day. You know, the, the, what is that song, uh, How Great Is This Light? I can't remember the words of it right now. But, you know, there's a, never been a bright, there's never been a light, that's the one I'm thinking of, a light that has shone so bright as this day, this glorious day. And, and we're partakers of this great light, and we're living a message we realize is, uh, you help me just to relax a moment here this evening, and uh, excuse me, I just barely, the plane just barely sat down a couple hours ago, we're actually a little bit behind schedule today, so if you don't mind, I'll just preach a little bit later tonight, if that's okay, but... You know, but, you know, we're, we're living in a great time of a great message, and we're, we're partaking of, of things that, you know, it's hard to describe in, in reality of it because the seriousness of it is so great to be restored legally back to all that Adam and Eve lost, to be brought back into the full inheritance of the Word. As Peter said, an inheritance that was reserved in heaven for us. That, that is undefiled, that, that does not corrupt, 
that does not change. Nothing has changed from when God made Adam and Eve by his spoken word in the Garden of Eden and gave them certain rights of, uh, of uh, governorship or we'll say amateur godship over the earth. That inheritance has not changed. The only thing that has changed is that we have changed and we have been brought back to the restoration of it and we're waiting for the final stage of the restoration and that is the change of these mortal bodies. Uh, and we're looking forward to all that it, we are hindered of now being moved out of the way and being brought into the fullness of it. And we're living in a time where, you know, we can't, we sang that song, I'm, we're listening for a different sound. There's many voices in this day. There's many sounds. There, there's governments and there's media and there's social media and there's friends and so-called and there's all kinds of messaging going on and whatever more of all of these different social media things. You know, uh, I was thinking of, I was reading the other day of people being canceled on social media. I'll never be canceled on social media. I don't have social media. So they don't have a chance to cancel me. Praise the Lord. You know, maybe some of the things I said a lot of people in this world wouldn't be happy with. But I'm not saying my own thoughts. I'm saying the thoughts of God. It doesn't matter to me what the government thinks. It doesn't matter to me if the government is for me or against me. That makes no difference to me. And the Scripture says, if God be for us, who can be against us? It doesn't matter the plans they're laying out. It doesn't matter the laws they're putting into the place. It, doesn't, it makes no difference whatsoever. Listen, we, we in the spiritual are going through what Joshua went through in the natural and Moses bringing the children of Israel out of Egypt as he brought them through the wilderness. Don't think that every nation wasn't against them. Everybody wanted to stop them. The Amalekites wanted to stop them. The Moabites wanted to stop them. Everybody wanted to stop them. Did it make every difference? No, they moved forward anyway. And they possessed the land anyway. Because what mattered was what God thought of them. From the beginning when they came to the promised land, and Joshua and Caleb uh, announced, you know, if God be for us, who can stand against us? That's the revelation in that day. Paul repeats it in Romans chapter 8. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Amen. Who he foreknew, he did predestinate. Who he predestinated, he called. Who he called, he justified. Who he justified, he, he has already glorified as long as it fit in with the government laws. No, it has nothing to do with the government laws. Amen. He's doing it anyway. God is fulfilling his word. Now, when, when God dealt with Moses and and I want to zero in on a specific aspect, and I'll just maybe preface it like this. This is a subject that, as I was meditating on it, it really became real to me uh, around the time of Brother Hildebrandt's passing. As I begin to think about the life of the man and the ministry and all that God used him for and, and all of the different aspects of things and how that, that the tabernacle in the wilderness you know, God made certain, uh, made it like a human vessel in that it had three courts, like body, soul, and spirit, body, spirit, and soul. You know, it had an outer court, it had a holy place, and it had the holy of holies. And the holy of holies is where God dwells, just like in the heart of man or the soul of man, that's where God dwells. 
And so we realize that, that it's, a, it's a reflection of our own lives. But on the outside of the outside of the tabernacle, and I, I don't have time to go into all the details, uh, but let me just put it this way. When God describes the tabernacle, I'll give you the scripture. It's Exodus 26. You can read it when you go home. And he, and he describes it to Moses, and he says now, he says there's going to be some, some coverings here. He says the first covering will be linen, and the second covering will be uh, curtains of black goat's hair cloth, and the third covering will be ram skin, and the fourth covering, or the outermost covering, will be badger skins. And badger skins was just a type of leather. They, they, it, what didn't actually come from badgers, I'm not sure how the English came up with the word badgers, but it, it came, they thought, largely from uh, what we might call in this day sea cows or, or, or um, uh, animals, uh, 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 I don't even know how to pronounce it, a, a dugong or something in the, in the sea that they used in many times for leather, even for shoes, and they would slay them and use the leather much like they would use, we would use today the leather of cattle and different things like that. So they had this, this practice and they, they had these badger skins and, and, and God said, when you build the tabernacle now, I want the outermost covering to be badger skins. In other words, the part that will face the world will be badger skins. Inside I will dwell. But as far as anybody outside the tabernacle, what they will see is just a plain old leather covering. It won't be anything fantastic. It won't be like the glory of Solomon's temple. You know, like when the disciples took Jesus up to show him the glory of the temple and the great stones and all of those things. It was a different representation. Now, just to say it this way, the badger skins represent human life. Or I'll say it another way, the badger skins represent human experience. They had a lot of flaws. They had a lot of scars. They, they had places that they were sewn together. It wasn't one badger skin, it was many badger skins. And so, so when God was covering the tabernacle, it was a representation of many different skins. You know, many, much like the, the temple, when they built the temple, they had many stones, which represented our lives also. And the stones had to be cut, and the stones had to fit perfectly together. And we realized that it would take a stone mason to cut the stones. And it's representative that it takes someone that is called with the Word of God to cut the excess stone out of our lives. I heard one brother preach, I think it was in this church actually, he was preaching, some of us, you know, we think our place in the temple is this big, but really it's only this big, and God has to cut a load of stone off of us. You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes there's got to be a lot of cutting go on. Sometimes our lives has got to go through a lot of hardship in order to, to bring out the real position that God wants to put us in the body of Jesus Christ. All right, but it's so also in the badger skins. I'm sure there had to be some trimming go on. There had to be some sewing gone. They had to bring it all together. They did not go out and buy badger skins, but rather the people offered badger skins. And we realize that these bodies are a temple of the Holy Ghost. Right. And I'm just laying some principles down here now as we start. In that, you know, these bodies are a temple of the Holy Ghost because we give them to the Lord. 
we recognize we are purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. And in that purchase, we don't belong to ourselves, we belong to him. But we have a right to reserve it from him but because we have a free moral agency and we must lay our lives before him to take on his thoughts, to take on his nature, to take on his word. Can you say amen to that? You know, you've got to be willing to lay yourself down and not see yourself, well, I, I'm unique. You know, I, I'm different than everybody else. I think different. I've had different experiences. Listen, it didn't matter what experiences those badger skins had been through. They all had to be sewed together. And there were to be no gaps because they were to hold out the elements of that, uh, of, the, of the, uh, the elements that were around them, the, the rain and the sunshine and all the different things that would beat down upon the tabernacle. But they were there for a purpose, and they filled a specific purpose, and they all were connected together. Now, when the vessels of the tabernacle were moved, when you... When you went into the tabernacle, you know, when you went into the outer court, you saw the, the laver and the altar of sacrifice that was there in the outer court. And then if you were a priest, you could move into the holy place where, where there was the altar of incense and the candlestick and the table of showbread. And, you know, we could literally talk all night on all of these things and what they represent. And then there was another veil before the Holy of Holies that only the high priest could go in once a year. But when the, the camp was to be moved because it was a temporary dwelling place, and when the camp was to be moved, then the priest would disconnect the veil that was before the Holy of Holies, and they would lay it over the, uh, the Ark of the Covenant, and they would cover it. They weren't to look on the Ark. They were to disconnect, and they were to lay it over the ark. But that wasn't all of it. They had a, then a badger skin covering. And so they would take this badger skin covering. I don't know where they stored it. Nearby, I'm sure. And whenever the pillar of fire moved, they had to move. And so they took then the badger skin covering, and they then put it over the ark to protect the ark. And then they took a covering of blue, and they put that over the badger skin. But my point is that when all of the vessels of the tabernacle were to be moved, whenever God would say, all right, it's time to move, you must cover all of these different vessels with badger skins. And the point I'm going to get to you tonight is that whenever the word of God moves, it moves in a badger skin. As long as they were stationary... As long as nothing was happening, then the badger skin was set aside. They had a, a, the goat's hair veil, and they had, you know, there was badger skin over the entire tabernacle, but the individual vessels didn't have badger skins covering them. But when it came time to move, the only way the word could move is to ha be covered by a badger skin. All right, are you with me so far? You know, we find different places in the Bible that the ark moved. When Joshua had the, the um, when Joshua had the priests move the ark across the Jordan River, and you know how he made the people to stand back, well back, 
It had to go on the shoulders of the ministry. You've heard that many times. And, uh, and how that when they stepped into the Jordan, then the Jordan parted and they were to stand there. Well, that ark was covered. It was under badger skins and under a blue covering and under the, the veil that was there. And so, so they had to uh, stand there until everybody crossed over. There was a time when the ark went into battle under Hophni and Phinehas, and it shouldn't have gone, but it was under badger skins. And then, they, then at that time, they looked in on the ark, and there were those that looked under the veil, and it caused a plague in the midst of the people. And I won't go into all the details of those situations, but you can read it. And, and when it, when it was, so when it was sent back to Israel, um, you know, even the residents of Beth Shemesh wanted to see what the ark looked like, and they received a plague. And so it was, it was a terrible thing to not be covered by a badger skin. Now, God's telling us something here. If the word moved forward without badger skins, it would cause death. It would cause destruction. It is necessary that when the word moves forward, there must be a badger skin. You know what I'm getting at. I'll just say it this way. God uses men. Can I read it to you? Brother Bram said in perfect faith, he said, the reason I believe those visions, because it always declared to be the truth, because it comes from the word. Then if he says it, that settles it. Now, when it's declared like that, there's no more guesswork. It's going to be. Then you hear it, thus saith the Lord, speak, because it's beyond human thinking. It's up in the realms of the Lord's thinking. But you're standing here, just as a branch producing the fruit that's in the vine, see, God uses men and men only. God doesn't use machinery. God doesn't use groups of men. God doesn't use organization. God uses individuals always. I was thinking of this quote when I was thinking of Brother Hildebrandt and thinking about all of the things that were accomplished. So excuse me if I mention this. This was, I didn't get a chance to say anything at the funeral. There was too many that were saying things. And maybe that was a good thing that I didn't say anything. But you know, sometimes we have something welling up within our hearts and we need to just look at the picture. And that's kind of the way I am. Is that there had to be a season for uh, Harold Hildebrandt. All right, let, let me just, can I just talk to you tonight? It's okay, it's okay if you don't put this on the internet, okay? It's, it's, it's too late. <laughs> you know me. I'm your friend. I pastored up the road here for 27 years, okay? You know I love you. You know I care about you. End Time Message Tabernacle does not stand on its own two feet. What is End Time Message Tabernacle? It's just a name. If there'd have been no Harold Hildebrandt, there'd have been no End Time Message Tabernacle. All right, just so we're all on the same wavelength here tonight, I'm just talking to you. Regardless of whether you came, got saved under Brother Harold's ministry or not, the fact that you're sitting under the banner of End Time Message Tabernacle, you are a recipient of the blessing 
of God moving behind that badger skin. All right, now I want to take a step back. And then if we say, that was God behind that badger skin, and it was. Now remember, when we look at the badger skin, we see the flaws. When we look at the badger skin, we see, we see the, the, the uh, scars. We see the complexes, as it were. Hello? Let me say it this way. You're all a badger skin. If I spent some time with you, I'd see your flaws. If I spent some time with you, I'd know your complexes. I, I absolutely would. And I just recognize, and if I ask you enough questions, I'd find out where they come from. I'm not a prophet, so I, I can't dig back spiritually in your life by vision. But if I spent time with you and, and quizzed you in a certain way, I guess you can say, once you turn 60, you've learned a few things in life. Is that right, Brother Ed? And, you know, you, you begin to learn how human life operates, and you can begin to understand people, even though people might not understand that you understand them. It's just that's the way human life is. And so, uh, well, I might as well say it. I'm here now. You know, you might try and hide who you are. But if you're around anybody that has a modicum of discernment and spirituality about them, they'll know who you really are. All right? And so, so let's face the reality of life. We might think, but more important than that, God knows who you are. God knows what you are in need of. And God was going to move in Edmonton. And God was going to move in Africa. And God was going to move in a certain way. And God was wanting to get his message to, to the people. And God wanted his message taught properly. And God wanted to take his word out. But God needed a badger skin. God needed someone for all their scars, for all their complexes, for all their humanity. Listen, there's nobody in this room that knows the humanity of Brother Hildebrand like Sister Leanne knows it. She knows his, his feelings. She knows his, 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 how he felt about things, the times he was offended, the times he was hurt, the times he cried, the times he laughed. He was a man. He was a badger skin. But yet God wanted to move, and God had to put on that badger skin. You understand what I'm saying? But God also wants to put on your badger skin. God wants to move in your life. God wants to use you. God wants to put you in a place where you're entirely surrendered to him because you are a temple of the Holy Ghost. And God has chosen you to be a part of his great economy. Let me, let me touch on a few more points about badger skins here. You know, I think if men were going to build a covering for the tabernacle, they'd probably make it out of plastic or something. Something that had no flaws. Seamless, you know, all one piece and make it out of some petroleum product or something and no blemishes, no weaknesses. But God could think of no better than badger skins. The, even the flaws suited his purpose. You know, when, when Paul had flaws, and he knew his own flaws, and he was open about it. I'm thankful he was. I'm thankful Brother Branham was. Right. He was willing to say who he really was. He wasn't trying to be a God or an angel. 
I'm not trying to be a god or an angel. Listen, the sooner we all realize that we're a badger skin, the better off everybody will be. That's why Brother Brown said, be yourself. Everybody will love you better and God will love you better. You know, but, but Paul writes about it as he's talking about his own weaknesses and he's aware of his own weaknesses and he sought the Lord. And the Lord said to him, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Then Paul said, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my badger skin. God made me this way. God allowed me to go through the battles I went through. Come on, saints. God allowed me to go through what I went through. You might say, well, Brother Tim, I went through some terrible things in my youth. So did I. That doesn't make no difference. It created flaws, but I'll tell you what, God even uses the flaws. God even uses the scars. God even uses the complexes. God even uses, and many of them we have to get free of. We have to get delivered. They're not meant to keep us in bondage. But God brought out a certain ting, a certain molding of metal within our lives to bring a certain sound out of us individually, and each one of us are different. And I'll go even a step further and say, because we're just talking tonight, I'll say some of you were specifically made so you could annoy some others of you. <laughs> Amen. You know, I'm sure there's people in a church this size that maybe see some others that and use that quote where Brother Bram says, we all have prickly natures as long as we're in this badger skin. And we all have things that we do that others don't like. And you know what? Sometimes God allows that because they need that in their life. Now, don't go from the service here. I can leave that to the pastor and say, see, God made me this way just to get at you. <laughs> I'll let you deal with that one. Praise the Lord. But Paul said, I will rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Amen. First Corinthians 1, Paul says, For you see your calling, brethren, how not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. I'll say it this way. Not many perfect are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty and the base things of the world and the things which are despised has God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught the things that are, here's the reason now, that no flesh should glory in his presence. That no badger skin should glory in his presence. Your flesh doesn't reflect him. Your flesh, rather, allows him to reflect himself through you. He allows you, it allows him to dwell behind the veil. And every once in a while, you can get a glimpse. Hallelujah. You can get a glimpse of God behind that veil. And sometimes you got to look hard. Sometimes you got to really sit back and take notice. When I travel overseas, especially in Africa, I really only hear two names um, of men that have gone before me. One is Brother Hildebrandt. The other one is Brother Biscoe. 
And depending on where you are and, and who you're talking to, and there's great respects for both names. But they saw God moving amongst them in that badger skin. They, say God, they saw God come down. I can talk to those that spent the most time with him. And, and I'm, the reason I'm talking about Brother Hildebrand is because I want you to understand yourself. I can talk to those who knew Brother Hildebrandt the best over there, and they'll have some funny stories. You heard some funny stories that were told about Brother Hildebrandt, and I'm not one to tell a lot of funny stories about somebody because, you know what, I'm not looking for the human part, but there is a human part. And if you look long enough at the badger skin, you'll see the flaw, you'll see the scar, you'll see the weakness. But yet in the midst of all of it, if you look close enough, you'll see God behind that. Amen. Right. You know, when Jesus came on the earth, Brother Brown says in Unveiling God, he says, he didn't look like a king, the old badger skin. But oh, what was on the inside? He says, then a little bunch of holy rollers set together in a hot building like this. They call them not much beauty to be desired, but what's on the inside? Amen. He says, he veiled Jesus as a humble little man to keep them from seeing Jehovah. He veils himself today in earthen vessels with the Shekinah. The outside looks like a bunch of holy rollers, old badger skins, but the inside hides the Shekinah glory. Amen? You know, a lot of times we, we even look at ourselves, if I could say it this way, and if we're not careful, we look at the scars. We look at the badger skin, and we think, you know, who are we anyway? Moses was that way. The Word of God was going to become so powerful in Moses till Moses was, had to be veiled before the people. Now think about it. The purpose of Moses, the badger skin, was to have God on the inside. But the God on the inside became so powerful that it even began to shine through the badger skin. And they had to put another veil on top of that veil. That's how powerful God became in Moses. What about God in you? What about God in me? What about God in these last days when the fullness of the word has come to the bride of Jesus Christ? What it ought to do in our lives? Still avail, saints. But so God came to Moses. And Moses, of course, looked at it own, his own self like we looked at our own selves, Exodus chapter 3 and chapter 4. And Moses says, Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh, that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? Chapter 4, he says, Behold, they won't believe me. He goes on a little bit later. He says, I'm not eloquent. Neither heretofore nor since hast, uh, thou hast spoken to thy servant. I'm slow of speech and of a slow tongue. And God continues to say, but Moses, this is why I'm using you. Moses, Brother Bram says, forgot everything in the message, perfect strength and perfect weakness. Forgot everything he ever knew. But he says, that's what human, that's what we need to do is not, uh, he says, when you get on the other side, you're not going to get into a group of know-it-alls. You're going to get into a group of know-it-nothings. 
Amen. He says, that's the way we need to be is not learn more, but forget what we learned. Surrender our lives to him and let him live through us. And, he, and so Moses says, I'm not eloquent. And, and uh, he, he says, Lord, send somebody else. This badger skin has too many problems. Moses had a lot of answers for reasons he couldn't do anything for God. Hello? I'm, I'm getting to something here tonight. This is just for anti-message tabernacle here in Edmonton. God wants to do something. He needs a skin to step behind. Though if the word moves without a skin, well, you, you've heard the statement, God could have preached by the wind. God could have preached by the sun. God could have preached by nature. You know, imagine the wind preaching an evangelistic service. It'd wipe out Edmonton. Hello? There'd be destruction. It's called a tornado. You've had them here. That's the wind preaching an evangelistic service. Amen. Imagine if the rain, imagine if the sun decided to preach the strength of God. The earth would be baked to a crisp. There'd be nothing left. That God didn't choose to, to preach by that method. He chose to preach by badger skins. He chose to preach by human beings. He chose to take men and women, showing that preaching is not just speaking. Preaching is living. And, and, and he chose to take men and women and take those badger skins and step behind them and live in them. And by that, he says, I'm going to move my message forward. He stepped behind Paul. He stepped behind Arrhenius. He stepped behind Columba. He stepped behind St. Martin, all from their different background. He stepped by behind a rough fellow called Luther. That, that he was rough and rugged and, and nasty sometimes. But it was a badger skin that God stepped behind because he was moving his redemptive purpose forward. He stepped behind a firebrand like John Wesley. Couldn't hardly hold a relationship together. Had trouble with women all of his life from his young age to his old age. He never did anything wrong. He just didn't have the right skills to have a good marriage. And so in all of that, there was John Wesley in his life. But God used him. To take the message forward. He used a Dwight Moody that couldn't hardly put his P's and Q's together. He used a Charles Finney who was a lawyer. And we could say lots of things about lawyers. He used all of these great men on, down through history. Why is God saying, I'm, I'm doing something here. I'm moving my word forward. And I'm going to take this badger skin. And I'm going to move it forward. Hallelujah. Amen, because there's no other way. Moses said, send somebody else. But God, then the Bible says, the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. I'm talking to you because I want to use you. I brought you this message because I want to use you. Hello? I brought this light in your life because I want to use you. In the place that you are, in the way that I made you in the influence that I gave you, in the, in, the, in the place that I placed you so that you can do something. I, there's something that I want to do, and you must do it. 
because I'm stepping behind your badge skin. See, when we got the baptism of the Holy Ghost, it wasn't just to feel better. It was God stepping behind the badger skin because he's doing something. There's nobody with the Holy Ghost that God doesn't want to use. It's just that simple. God stepped in there for a purpose. God stepped into you for a purpose. We're not all preachers. We're not all deacons. We're not all trustees. We're not all song leaders. But we all have a place in the body of Jesus Christ. So Moses goes up on the mountain after a number of years, comes to the place of deliverance. I don't know if it's years. Goes up on Mount Sinai, comes down from Mount Sinai. The first time he destroys the, the uh, tablets of stone, then he goes back, receives the word, and he's receiving the message. Let me say it the way Brother Branham said it. It's very important the way he said it. In unveiling of God, he said, Moses was the veil, the living word of God, veiled behind human flesh. Watch closely now. The pillar of fire was in Moses, speaking what was to be veiled later behind skins. The pillar of fire was behind this skin because he was going to come behind other skins. There was a man that stood here and it was the pillar of fire behind that skin and spoke through his mouth because that same pillar of fire wanted to get behind other skins. You understand what I'm saying? The pillar of fire that was in Brother Hildebrand was not, did not just come and go. I could take a step back a generation and say, the pillar of fire that was in Brother Branham was not just came to a certain ministry and that ministry would go out and, and establish some kind of a textbook message. Shall we say it that way? See, that's why people leave the message because it's not a textbook. It's a living experience. And they're trying to figure it out, and they're trying to put the pieces together, and they're, well, he said this here, and he said that there, and then this, and that seems to contradict that, and all of these things. And what they're doing is they're looking at the badger skin, and they're trying to figure it out by the badger skin. That's like trying to figure out what's in the tabernacle of the wilderness by looking at the badger skin. It's not going to help you figure it out, is it? You've got to come on the inside. Amen? You've got to be sanctified. You've got to be called to the Word. You've got to be called to a relationship with God Himself. And then you can understand what was behind that badger skin. And so there was a badger skin called Harold Hildebrand that recognized that behind a badger skin called William Branham, God spoke the truth. God spoke through that messenger what he wanted to be later veiled behind others, and it was veiled in Brother Harold. But that skin didn't take the life with him because he could not be taken. And Brother Branham says about Moses, 
I hope I'm not going back into history now for you. Is this okay? Brother Branham says, you know, Moses, when he was veiled, as long as the word was in him, and that's what that shining was about, the word was in him, and as long as the word was in him, he was invincible. Nobody could touch him. He could not die. Are you hearing me? Sometimes you might even wonder why your pastor lingered as long as he did. He couldn't go until God was done with the badger skin. It was God behind the badger skin trying to get behind other badger skins. But now that God that was in that badger skin, which is the God now that is in these badger skins, the reason he comes behind badger skins is to move forward. I'll say it again. He's behind this badger skin. And there, there is of necessity a badger skin to move the word of God forward. We're not there yet, saints. We have not yet arrived. Paul says, I count not myself to have apprehended. But this one thing I do, laying aside the things that are in the past, I press towards the mark. For the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. Amen. There's something we're pressing towards. We're not there yet till we see these bodies change. We're not there yet till we see mortal become immortality. We're not there yet till we see our loved ones that have gone on. We're not there yet till we're all gathered at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Then we will know even as we are known. Right now there's still some darkness to it. There's still some things that are unknown. But we're pressing forward in the light that we have. As God dwells behind this badger skin, we have to look at ourselves. Brother Ed, you have to look at yourself. The church here has to look at yourself. It's not because you're called in time message tabernacle. It's not because you had a great pastor in Harold Hildebrand. No, God was behind that badger skin to move you forward. And God took him because he was done with that badger skin. But now he's in you. Now he's in this man. Now I'll remind you what Brother Brown said in Perfect Faith right at the beginning. He said, God uses men. God doesn't use organizations. God doesn't use churches. God doesn't use groups of men. Hello? And I trust as believers, and again, we're just talking to one another. I trust as believers here in Edmonton at End Time Message Tabernacle that as God has led you thus far, and I see Brother Ed begin to take the reins, that you're praying, Lord, let it not be the badger skin, but let it be you behind the badger skin. Because we need you behind this badger skin. Just the same as we need you behind our badger skin, Lord. Are you with me tonight? Amen. That word and the purpose of the word had to be brought into the physical realm through Moses. Oh, may God help us tonight to really catch it. I have a few minutes left. Moses went up on the mountain to receive revelation that had not yet been given in this world. Amen? 
And his job wasn't just to preach that word. His job was to conduct that that word would become manifested on the earth. God said, make sure you make everything on the earth after the pattern in heaven. That's why we needed a prophet. That's why we needed Brother Brown. We needed to see the pattern from heaven. Not this organization pattern or that organization, not a Baptist pattern or a Pentecostal pattern or some other kind of pattern. You know, Brother Branham even talked about even prayer lines and altar calls and different things. He says, those are all things that came out of denominationalism. Those are, I'm not, there's the place and a time for all of those things. I'm not hitting against those things. But what I'm saying is, those are not the pattern. The pattern that was given in this hour is that the word would be spoken. And that the people would receive the word. And by faith in the word, they will receive every blessing that they have need of. Because they are the seed of Abraham. And they are inheritors of that covenant. And God says, in blessing, I will bless you. And and God has held every blessing in the word for the bride of Jesus Christ. And as she walks in the light of the word, recognizing who she is as a seed of Abraham, then the blessing of healing is mine. Amen. It's just mine. It doesn't matter whether you go through a prayer line, whether you're sitting there in your seat, whether whether you're in a hospital bed, whether you're taking medicine. It doesn't matter whatever that is. It's that you've got to recognize you're a seed of Abraham. We are the seed of Abraham by faith, and we are heirs of the promise. Amen. Amen. That's what Jesus paid for. He paid for every redemptive blessing that we by faith could come under the same blessing as Abraham as his seed. Just preached on that last week at home, but that's not my subject tonight. The word must come behind badger skin to get behind other badger skins. Brother Ram says, on Moses coming forth, his face shined. The word was in him, ready to be manifested. Give out to the people. The true word, God had wrote it, and it was with Moses. Notice it was with Moses and was ready to be manifested. He was the word to them. He was the living word hid, veiled himself. God had to put a veil, or excuse me, Moses had to put a veil over his own face. Why? He was the Word. And until the Word was made known, Moses had to veil himself. And Brother Brown says, wherever the Word is, it's veiled. Is the Word here? Then it's veiled. I was studying this last week, thinking about this service tonight. I felt directed to go to the sword of the word. The sword of the word. So Moses, when he had the word, the Bible says the, the word is a sword. Is that right? Ephesians 6 says... Uh, Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, 
which is the word of God. All right, it's a sword. Hebrews 4 says, the word of God is quick, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even through the dividing asunder of soul and spirit of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The sword. We know that Brother Branham was on Sunset Mountain, I think it was, was looking to God for the meaning of the, of the vision or dream of the constellation, the vision, I think, of the constellation of angels and, and the blast and all of those kind of things and, and wanting to know what he was to do. And he was looking to the Lord for an answer. And uh, in the seventh seal, he recounts it. And he says, as I was praying, he says, I had my hands up. And he says, something struck my hand. Is that right? And he says, he says, he looked and it was a sword. He says, and he describes the sword. And his voice came and said, it's the sword of the king. Now, did you know that Brother Branham twice in recounting that, he calls it the sword of the king, and twice in recounting that, he says the sword of the Lord? Okay, so it's interchangeable to Brother Branham as he's describing it, the sword of the king, the sword of the Lord. Now, Gideon recognized that in his own life. And Gideon was a man that had trouble with his own badger skin also. He saw the weakness of his tribe, the least of the tribes of Israel, the weakness of his family, the least of the families of Ephraim. The weakness of himself, the least of his family. So he was the least one from the least family from the least tribe. He had a lot of excuses. Anybody ever feel that way? All right. So we're all in the same boat together here now. So now he's, he's looking at that and he looks to God for a fleece. You know the story of Gideon. You know, just let it be, Lord, we're all like this. Let it be, Lord, that the, uh, tomorrow morning I'll put a fleece out here on the ground, and tomorrow morning let the fleece be wet and the ground be dry. And he comes the next morning, it's exactly what he prayed for. And so did he take the sword and go to battle and says, I'm sent to deliver Israel? No. He said, maybe it was a fluke. Is that right? And he says, you know, maybe... Tomorrow, Lord, forgive me but for asking again, but tomorrow, let it be that the fleece is dry and the ground is wet. All right, so he leaves the fleece out another night, and he comes the next morning, and the fleece is dry and the ground is wet. Now he realizes, I can't say no, because God is dealing with me. We know how the angel of the Lord met Gideon. Behold, thou mighty man of valor, God is with you. Amen. What's the revelation? If God be with us, who can be against us? You know, it's not a matter of God's for you. We just have to figure out what God wants us to do. Amen. That's where we're always so timid because we look at our own badger skin like Gideon looked at his and said, I'm the least of the least of the least. And I, I really can't do it, Lord. So he's, he's, he's pondering. I'm really just talking to you tonight. And he's pondering this 
And he's looking at it, and he's thinking, you know, really somebody else ought to do it. And, and so he, he finally gets in position, and God says, all right, call Israel together. And he gets, what was it, 12,000 together, and he takes them down to the river. And God says, have them all down, down the river, and says, now just choose the ones that drink water a certain way. And he ends up with only 300. Why? That no flesh should glory in his presence. And so he's got the 300 now, and he's wondering about it. And God says, if you're still wondering about it, go down to the camp and listen where the Midianites are, to what the Midianites are saying. And he goes down to the camp, and he, he listens uh, at the tent, and somebody wakes up from a nightmare. Ah! You know, they just wake up, and, and, and he's listening, he says, I just dreamed a terrible dream. And his fellow says, what, what did you dream? He says, I dreamed a barley cake, rolled down the mountain, destroyed the whole camp. And the other fellow, I don't even know how he knew Gideon, or if God put the words in his mouth, he says, that's nothing but the sword of Gideon. <laughs> Sometimes we put our ourselves in Gideon's place, huh? And we go... Really? I think he even said Gideon, the son of Ebezer, or whatever his father's name was. So it could be no mistake, it's not another Gideon. It's this Gideon. And Gideon now has a revelation that God is with him. And when you got a real revelation that God is with you, then who can be against you? I hope End Time Message Tabernacle, you have that revelation. I hope, Brother Ed, you have that revelation. It's not about how strong you are. It's not about how smart you are. It's not about how much you know. It's not how much you can put things together. It's not about how, how skilled you are or, or anything like that. There's only one ingredient that you need. If God be for us, who can be against us? Amen. It's just recognizing and coming to that revelation that God is for you. So Gideon gives his soldiers instructions. Now take a lamp, and when I give the signal, when I blow the trumpet, you all blow the trumpet, break the lamp. There'll be the lantern in one hand, he says, and you, and you just shout, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. Amen. Amen. The sword of the Lord. So here's Brother Branham now on Sunset Mountain. He's come to a place in his life that the sword has been put into his hand or the word has been put into his hand. And he realizes there's no stopping this now. Amen. God has put the word in my possession to take this word and move it forward. At End Time Message Tabernacle, there was a badger skin standing here laying the word out service after service after service after service. Yes, and God taking Brother Hildebrand home is simply telling you that word behind that badger skin is now behind these badger skins. Yes. Glory to God. It's a reality that God is in your midst. We don't want to be just End Time Message Tabernacle or Cloverdale Bible Way or whatever, Grand Prairie uh, uh, Bible Believers Fellowship or whatever it might be. That's not what we want to be. 
We want to come to that personal realization with God. God put his word in me. God used Brother Hildebrand. God used Brother Hammermeister. God used the ministry here. God used whomever he's going to use. But the Lord has put the word in me. Hello? For one purpose, to move it forward. Hallelujah. That's always been it down through the ages. That's why the Holy Spirit through seven church ages. What was it? The word moving? It wasn't just the, the, the Holy Spirit did not come down on the day of Pentecost 2,000 years ago just to show that the Holy Spirit was here. No licks of fire appeared on each one of them to show it was God taking that portion for that badger skin and taking that word to the world. And here we are in the end of the age, the Holy Spirit come down on end time message tabernacle through the ministry of the word and got behind your badger skins because God still has a work for you to do. Glory to God. I hope this is all right tonight. It's just a Wednesday night service. I'm just unburdening my heart with you. I've been thinking about you all lots. And, and, and you know, you, you have the opportunity to have had a great pastor. But there was a purpose in it. So God could come in you. There's a purpose in Brother Ed standing up here. Brother, Brother Hilde, Hammermeister. Brother Hammermeister coming up here and ministering to you. He's got to recognize, and you pray that he'll recognize. It's easy to look back and say, how would Brother Harold do it? It's not necessarily a bad statement, but it's a trap. Because Brother Hildebrandt was a badger skin, and only that badger skin could do it the way he would do it. And it was a good way. But now, you need Holy Spirit leadership in your pastor now. Is this okay? Pray for him. Seek God for him. Desire God, oh Lord, move in that badger skin. I'm his friend. I don't know how close I am to him, but to me, he's one of my closest friends. He, he was, stood with me in some real hard times that I went through, and I appreciate it very much. But I also know some of his weaknesses. Would you like me to? No, never mind. <laughs> you don't have to blush, Brother Ed. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. He said he's coming to close behind me, so he gets the last word. But regardless of the badger skin, that's just humanity. We have fun one with another. We love to be together. We love to joke together, have fun together, all of those things. But in these last days, there's a real seriousness to it. Hope you young people realize that. You know, that you've, you have a great legacy here, but you don't just have a great legacy here. You have the Holy Ghost here. And this gospel moves on. Can you say amen to that? 
Brother Branham, in the message, Unfailing Realities of God, he says, what we need today is men and women who wants a reality, not a creed, a reality. That's what the world needs today, not creeds and fashions. We need realities in God. The other night I went with some friends who's present now, a group of them down there to see this Samson and Delilah, and I begin to wonder what God ever seen in a guy like Samson in the days of Judges. See, God uses men. Do you believe that? He can only use men when he can find men, when he can find somebody that he can use. And there was a space in the days of Judges he couldn't find a man. Only thing he could do is just raise one up and he'd go some way and raise another one up and he'd go some way. He could find no man he could absolutely put emphatic confidence in. What was that day called? That was the day of Judges. There was a time when man did what seemed right in his own eyes. That's not what we need. What we need is Holy Ghost filled leaders that'll recognize God is still moving. Let me close with an, another badger skin. Got lots else here I could say, but you've all met Brother Fred Chinji. You know Brother Fred? How many remembers Brother Fred from Uganda? I think he was here, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. And uh, Brother Fred's a, a lovely brother. He, he's just a gem of a person. And, uh, but to the brothers in Uganda, I'll just say the brothers that have been in this message many, many years, Brother Fred's a little bit too Pentecostal in his ways. What they would call Pentecostal. And he was maybe disregarded by a lot of message preachers in Uganda. But you know what? The message is not a denomination. The message is Christ. And Christ will use whatever badger skin he's going to use. And God allowed Brother Fred to become very sick till he was on his deathbed. And the, the doctors had given him up. He was a severe diabetic in, in a severe shutdown. His body was going into a shutdown and, and everything. And, but you know what? God raised him up. And it allowed Brother Fred to take on somewhat of a fearlessness, realizing that, you know what? If God spared my life, it must be for a purpose. And God began to do things through Brother Fred. And all of a sudden, Brother Fred became the voice of Brother Branham in the country on the radio program and uh, began to be the interpreter of the message that they put on the radio. And, and it was sponsored by Bible believers. And that's, I just say, thank you, Lord, for letting us sponsor it because we get a piece of the blessing. I'm a little selfish that way. And, uh, you know, they... They had the radio broadcast, and for years it didn't seem to do nothing. But little did they know that there were people listening to it. And after a couple years, God began to break through into ranks that had never 
ever been interested in this message. And you know what? It was largely Pentecostal people. And God had a badger skin prepared just for those people. Because he needed someone to carry his word into those groups. And so, Brother Fred began to, and they just begin to open their doors, and they just begin to appreciate Brother Fred, and they just begin to rejoice. And, and you know the story now, tens of thousands have come into the message through that ministry and Brother Stephen Abali and, and the events that are going on there. Don't, don't be mistaken. Not every brother, even in Uganda, understands what's going on. But the Word of God is moving because it's behind badger skins. And the message of the hour is going, we just, we just have shipped 20,000 Bibles and 10,000 more church-age books and 10,000 Hebrew series books from China. They, they have just, they're just leaving China as I speak. They might have already left. And, and these are on top of the tens of thousands of other church-age books that we've already sent in their language. And a, the, a lot of the translation work was begun in this church here from Brother Hildebrandt's work in that country. And we're just building on top of it. What is it? It's the word going forward. Because God has elect. Because he told Abraham, look up into the heavens and see if you can number. I'm not looking for great numbers. But God said to Abraham, that's how many seed you'll have. Amen. That's how many seed you'll have. You'll have millions upon. You know, go, go to the internet. I'm not recommend people spend time on the internet, but go to the internet and, and type in how many stars are there? And you'll see billions and billions and billions. I don't even know what the number is. Do you know what the number is? Trillions. I don't know if it's trillions, but there's billions and billions and hundreds of billions of stars out there. I don't think Abraham saw that many stars. Because a lot of them you can't see. But I'll tell you what, Abraham saw so many they were without number. And God wanted to move in a little country called Uganda, so he took a, a brother Fred. I'm just sharing this testimony. The musicians can come. I'm just going to close with this. Boy, this has been quite a Wednesday night service, hasn't it? And brother Fred, you know, he... he one of the churches that came into the message was in a town called Nansana. I'm going to mention a name to you, Patrick Camara. So that'll mean something to some of you. He's from that area, okay? So I won't go into the details there, but that was from that area. And so the Pentecostals in that area decided to use the negative of certain things that had happened within the message, and they arranged to have a, uh, a meeting, and they set up a big stage with loudspeakers and everything right across the street from the church in Nansana that had come into the message. There's only about 80 people in this church, but they're, 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 they were going to blast their Pentecostal Trinitarian ideas right into that area, and they're going to keep it up until this church disperses. Their, their, their intent was to destroy that church. And so Brother Fred regularly visits that church, and, and so he was, 
He, he went there, and they, they couldn't even hold services. These Pentecostal crus- this Pentecostal crusade was so loud. And so they just said, well, let's just go door to door and visit with the people. And they went from house to house and visited with believers and visited with neighbors and, you know, testified about God and testified about the message of the hour. And, and it just wouldn't quit. They had no end date in sight for this crusade that they were doing, the Pentecostals. And so they, they said, oh, so he said, we need to do something more. So he went to visit the mayor of that area. And the mayor was a Muslim. And the mayor said, well, what's the, what's the dispute? I mean, you're Christians, they're Christians, what's the dispute? So Brother Fred, well, they believe in the Trinity. And the Muslim mayor says, you don't? He says, no, we believe in one God. Well, that, what, that statement won over the Muslim mayor. Because the Muslims believe Trinitarians are heathens. All right? And so he says, we believe in one God. And the Muslim says, you do? Yeah, yeah, we believe in one God. And, and so they, he shared, well, I'll see what I can do. So he says, you know, there, there's, there's certainly, we need to make sure that the local people are in support of us stepping in. And Brother Fred said, well, we've already done that. We've already gone house to house, and you have lots of support because the Pentecostals have garnered support from the politi- national political uh, parties in the country. They're, they're, it's a very uh, religious country. And so the mayor says, all right. He says, I'll, I'll put an end to it. And they put an end to the crusade. And Brother Fred thought, praise God, it's over. And, and they can go back to having meetings. So after a couple of days, he got a call from the mayor. And the mayor said, uh, it's not over. And Brother Fred said, why isn't it over? And he, he said, because now you need to go to the same location and preach what you believe on exactly the same spot. And, and Brother Fred, he says, well, I can, we're, we're poor people. We can't afford a big stage like that and loudspeakers and everything like that. And the mayor said, I'll provide it for you. <laughs> Hallelujah. And so, so they just thought, well, this is amazing, and, and, and this, this was happened to come up at Easter time. So they had an Easter revival weekend right on that same spot. Doesn't stop there. So now the, the news media had got a hold of it, and they, they thought something was brewing because, you know, big crowds were gathering, and the police had to come and control traffic and everything. And, and so the news media arrived, and they were asking Brother Fred. They were looking for something controversial, but Brother Fred refused to give it to them. He said, listen, I'm not going to criticize anybody. I'm just going to tell you what Easter is really about. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And he just, he just took a few moments to preach to them the Word that has been sent in our day. And that you must receive the Word in your day or else you're going to miss what God's doing. And so he just laid it out for them. And, and he actually got national news media coverage across the whole entire country. They put it right on the television stations. Hallelujah. And there's Brother Fred ministering to the entire country. God behind the badger skin. And he says, I said, well, did you have Easter, Easter Sunday there? No, no, we went back to the church Easter Sunday. So this little church of 80 people had 500 people show up on Easter morning for service. And out of those 500 people, 50 have been baptized. And since that time, another 70 of them have been baptized. 
so this little church is now bursting at the seams. Well, let me, let me go back here. After this all began to happen, right after Easter, one of the main Pentecostal bishops who sponsored the crusade went back to the area to find out what happened and, and heard that Brother Fred had regular Thursday meetings with new ministers in the message. And so he went he found out, he made a contact with somebody who had a contact with Brother Fred, and, and they contacted Brother Fred, and, he, and the bishop asked, can I come and sit in on the meeting? And Brother Fred says, Brother Fred's fearless. He says, sure, come on, you can come and sit as long as you behave yourself. He says, okay, I'll behave myself. So he goes in his full regalia, you know, of the flashiest suits of Pentecostal preachers, and, you know, he's all... Uh, done up to the nines, and he comes and sits amongst these lowly preachers of the message. And he's sitting there, and he's, he's behaving himself, and he's listening all day, all afternoon. He's listening to the word being preached. And he comes to the end of the meeting, and they're about to close, and the, and the bishop puts his hand up. He says, can I say something? Brother Fred says, all right, you can now say something. And he stands up in front of all the brothers, probably about 100 or so preachers there of this message, and he says, I just want to say this afternoon that everything I've heard today is the truth. And he says, furthermore, I will not go home until you baptize me in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> Hallelujah. What did that? God was behind a badger skin. The badger skin was weak. The badger skin was maybe not appreciated in some circles, but that doesn't matter. It's just a badger skin. It was the God that was behind the badger skin that came in that great day. Let's stand together. There's never been a light. Let's sing that song. There's never been a day like this day to me. There's never been a day like this day I see. There's never been a light that shines so bright as this day, this glorious day. i 
How many would say tonight, Lord, take my badger skin. Use me wherever you want to use me. When I told you about Brother Fred, he was just a pastor of a little church, probably about 70, 80 people. There in Sita, on the outskirts of Kampala, not very noticeable, but God needed a badger skin. And now through that ministry, Tens of thousands of people have been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Doesn't matter how big your badger skin is, it's just how yielded you are to the God inside. Heavenly Father, Lord, you laid this subject on my heart over the passing of our dear brother Harold. You must have been done with that badger skin, Lord. But it also signifies something else. That now, Lord, you're behind other badger skins. Oh, Father, you see every hand that was raised. You see every burden of every heart. I would say, Lord, use this badger skin. If you can, Lord, I'm just giving my badger skin to you. Not to be what I want to be, but to be what you want me to be, Lord. Take the preeminence, Father. Fill us afresh with your spirit. Pour in your life. Override the flaws and the complexes, the scars of the badger. Lord, a life that has been lived the experiences of God. And we promise not to look at our experiences, Lord, but to look at you and let you have the preeminence within our lives. So, Lord, may this church come to a greater realization that you're still moving, Lord. You're still going forward, and you're still calling badger skins. Bless them, Lord, I pray. Bless Brother Ed Hemmermeister, Lord, my dear friend. I appreciate him so much, and may you just use him more and more in the days ahead for your glory, Lord. We give all into your hands in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. There's never been a day like this day to me there's never been a day like this day i see there's never been a light that shines so bright as this day this glory This glorious day.